And this morning, Peter is going to emerge as our hero of the faith. And in this session we're going to look at, we're going to examine the drama that occurs between this apostle to the Jews, Peter, and this purebred Gentile named Cornelius. And in the midst of this drama, which we'll look at, a hero of the faith trait arises. And it's, it's a special trait for sure. When anyone today models this trait, we bring it into our lives, begin living it out, we become a modern-day hero of the faith. And God, I believe, has brought you here today, or you're watching on video, because he wants you to come face-to-face -face with this trait. He wants to see this trait in your life. And here's our hero of the faith trait. Let's give it to you right at the front. One of the most heroic things you can do is to recognize it when God is doing something new. To recognize something. How many people go through life without recognizing where the light bulb goes on something that God is wanting to do? You know, God is always doing something new. And this is stated, and it's illustrated all through the Bible. God is not a stagnant God. He is always, constantly at work. You look at Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Are you just dwelling in on the past? Are there some things you need to forget? One of the tactics of the enemy is he wants to keep you focused on the past. God says, see, I am doing a new thing. Would you underline that? I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland. Question, are you perceiving it? The new thing God wants to do. Watch this, in your life and through your life. Are you discouraged this morning? Do you feel like you're in a wasteland? Do you think that God is finished with you? The enemy wants to communicate to you that God is finished with you. He wants you to be in a perpetual state of discouragement, thinking about the past only and something that happened to you then that's just tearing you down. He got, the enemy wants to push you down. God is saying to you this morning, I want to do a new thing in your life. Look at Isaiah 48, verse 6. I will tell you of new things. Would you underline new things? Of hidden things unknown to you. There is some things, there are things that are unknown to you right now that are hidden from you that God wants to bring to light. This is the God that we worship. In the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. The question is, are you seeing the new that is here? Or are you stuck in the past? One of the biggest problems that ancient Israel faced then but also we struggle with today is a, failure to, is a failure to recognize it when God is doing something new and it's right in front of our very eyes. And it's like we just can't see it. John 1.12, he came to his own, that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Here Jesus comes in fulfillment of all Old Testament prophecy as the Messiah to the Jews and the Jews did not see the new thing that God was doing literally right in front of their eyes. And a lot of us say, well, if I was a Jew back then in the first century, I would have seen Jesus as the Messiah. Really? They missed it for the most part. Let me ask you a couple questions. Are you recognizing it when God wants to do something new in your life? 
right now? Did you know this last week and the last month, God wants to do something new in your life? Are you recognizing it? Are you recognizing it when God wants to do something new through your life? Not just in your life, but through your life. Are you seeing it? Are you perceiving it? You know, a second huge miss for Israel was their failure to understand that they were God's chosen instrument to broadcast the good news of their God, Yahweh, to the nations. Isaiah 49, verse 6, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. It was the design of God that Israel would be a means to an end, that the nations would hear the good news of God to the ends of the earth through Israel. But for the most part, Israel missed that call. They missed that purpose for their existence. Are you missing the purpose for your existence? Because you're stuck in the past and not seeing the new thing God wants to do in and through your life even right now? So the passage we're going to study today, this morning, it records for us this moment in history when the light went on with Peter and he realized something so important about God. Peter finally got it. Wow, you want to do something new in me and through me and in me and through the Jews. Let me give you this principle. It's on your outlines. One of the greatest days in your life is when you realize the new things God wants to do in your life and through your life. I mean, that is a great day. When number one, you believe and understand that God is the God of always wanting to do something new. But then when you get it for your own life, that which it is, and you identify it, that is a great day in your life. I'm praying that that great day will be today. I want to just encourage you, God is not finished with you. He has something new for you today. That is the truth. <laughs> now, whether you perceive it or not will de depend on how heroic you want to be. You want to live in the doldrums? Or do you want to rise up to be a hero of the faith? Let's see how Peter discovered this new thing that God wanted to do. Now, let me give you the context. Here we have a map of New Testament or first century Israel that you can see. After, uh, in Acts, this great persecution broke out in Jerusalem, after Stephen was stoned, which we talked about, and that wasn't at the local bar, that was a different kind of stoning, Peter, after that, this persecution breaks out on Christians, and Peter travels to Samaria in Acts chapter 8, where he goes to Samaria up here, and he, and he begins praying for uh, these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Then he travels to Lydda down here, and it's in Lydda in Acts chapter 9 where he prays and heals this paralyzed man named Aeneas, and then he travels to Joppa on the coast right there, and it, it, at Joppa, on the coast, at the end of Acts 9, he, he prays for and raises this dead woman named Tabitha from the dead. And then notice, if you would, at the end of Acts chapter 9, the last verse, which brings us to where we're going to look at today, it says in verse 43, Acts 9, Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. So Peter right now is camped out in Joppa. He's with a tanner 
named Simon, and he's staying at his home. And Acts chapter 10 opens by introducing us to a certain Gentile named Cornelius who is living in a place called Caesarea Maritime, which many of you have been with me there to this location, which is 33 miles north of Joppa where Peter is. So you need to get the geography so you understand the story. So let's, with that in mind, begin reading in Acts chapter 10. Let's read verses 1 to 6. At Caesarea, up here, up north, 33 miles north of Peter and Joppa, there was a, a man named Cornelius. And this guy's a Gentile, a centurion. So he's a soldier in the Roman army in what was known as the Italian Regiment. You know, Israel under this, uh, at this time was under the occupation of Rome, and they had soldiers all over. And, and he and his family were devout and God-fearing and gave generously to those in need and prayed to God on a regular basis, Cornelius and his family living in Caesarea. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, imagine an angel speaking to you your name. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa, 33 miles south, to bring back a, a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. So Cornelius, he sends three of his servants to Peter and Joppa. There's 33-mile walk south, which would take about a day and a half. And as they are making their way on this journey, check out what's going on with Peter, who is in Joppa, at Simon the Tanner's house. Look, if you would, at uh, verse 23, or verse, well, let's start in verse 9, if we could there. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the, cedar, the city, well, and this is Joppa, Peter went up on the roof to pray. So Peter's going up, and he's at Simon the Tanner's house, he goes up on the roof, near the sea, probably looking at the water. And he became hungry, and he wanted to uh, something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Imagine that. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being led down to earth by its four corners. That's interesting. It contained all kinds of, you know, four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord. Peter replied, I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. I mean, he lived by Jewish dietary laws. These are unclean animals. But the voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. Immediately, the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped by the gate then they called out, they yelled. They asked if Simon, who was known as Peter, was there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, I mean, he's perplexed by this, the Holy Spirit said to him, Simon, these men, these three guys are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, do not hesitate. Go with them, for I have sent them. 
Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, well, we've come from Cornelius the centurion. This is the first time Peter's heard about this guy. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him uh, to come, for us to come here to your house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited them in into his house to be guests. Peter, no doubt, he went to bed that night wondering about this strange vision and this Gentile guest, three of these guys that were in their house as Jews, and this request to go visit a Gentile named Cornelius. Well, what, what happened? Well, look, if you would, the next day, verse 23, it says the next day, uh, Peter started out with them, and some uh, of the believers from Joppa went along. I think there were some really curious Jewish believers that were like, what is going to happen? Seeing Peter, the apostle of the Jews, hanging out with Gentiles, walking up to Caesarea, it, it blew their mind. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea, and Cornelius was expecting them and called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. I mean, this was an incredible honor to have a Jew in your home. Jews were the chosen ones. But Peter made him get up and stand up. He said, hey, I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and he found this large gathering of people. He, he, Peter didn't know what he was going to see. And, and, and he said, you are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with Gentiles. Now, not God's law, but the Jews put laws on top of God's law, interpreted it the wrong way. God never meant for this division to take place, but they brought it about. The Jews did, because they missed their call to be a light to all the Gentiles. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent, I came without raising objections. May I ask you, why you sent for me? Well, Cornelius answered, you know, three days ago, I was in you know, my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and, you know, remember your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest at the home of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea. So I, you know, sent for you immediately. It was good for you to come. Now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Wow. Well, what happened? Verse 34, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. I now realize. He's learning something new. We're going to come back to that phrase a little bit later. But God accepts from every nation those who fear him and do what is right. And then Peter, he's, look what Peter does. What does he do? He begins kind of preaching a sermon to this crowd of you know, Cornelius' friends and family are all gathered. And he says, he begins, he says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Well, actually, they didn't know that message. They had never heard the message of Jesus, the gospel. And then Peter goes on, to, and he kind of is preaching a message, how God, if you look at verse 38, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good in healing and, and then he says, and we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. 
They killed him by hanging him on a cross. This was all good, brand new teaching to the Gentiles that are listening to this. And, and Peter goes on sharing, and it says there in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message, and the circumcised believers that had come with Peter, these are the Jews, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Then Peter said, surely no one you know, can stand in the way of them being baptized by water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. Wow, what a moment in history this is. Now go back if you would, and just at verse 34, where it says, then Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not Show favoritism. Interpretation, God is doing something new. I now realize the gospel is for the whole world, not just for the Jews. This is the first time in history that a Jew got it. That a Jew publicly stated that the gospel is not just for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles, it's for the whole world. What a moment in history. God accepts everyone. God loves everyone. Not just the Jew, but also the Gentile and everyone. Now let me bring you back to our hero of the faith trait. One of the most heroic things you can do is to recognize it when God is doing something new. Now we're going to go into detail in this in a second. But I want you to reflect on your life. Spiritually speaking, when in your life did you realize God was doing something new spiritually? Think back to a moment where you had a Peter kind of like moment and God revealed to you something new about him, about you. I want you to talk about that for a second and then we're going to go into this principle which I believe is going to change your life. Take a moment talk about that. Okay, look if you would at the hero of the faith trait again. One of the most heroic things you can do is to recognize it when God is doing something new. So here's the question this morning. We're going to get really practical now. How can I become a believer? How can I become a Christian who quickly and consistently recognizes it when God is doing something new in my life? If God is always doing something new, and he is, how can I become a Christian who gets it, who sees the new things that God wants to do and recognizes it, doesn't miss it? And I see three ways to recognize it when God is doing something new. And I see these three principles lived out through our hero of the faith, Peter. Number one, heroic recognition of God doing a new thing begins by contemplating spiritual realities. Now, when God wants to do something new in your life or through your life, he begins, watch this, speaking to you about what he wants to do. This is called a spiritual reality, a spiritual miracle. If God is calling you to do something new, and he is all the time, he will be speaking to you about it. But you must tune in spiritually to that reality. God may use a vision. In chapter 10, verse 9 through 17, I already read the scripture. We're not going to read it again. God provided for Peter three visions. Three visions. Three dreams, so to speak. 
to reveal to Peter the new thing God wanted to do. Acts 2.17 says, In the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all people. We are in the last days. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Does God still speak to us today in dreams and visions? Absolutely. 100%. If you're not receiving dreams and visions, you're not tuned in to the spiritual reality of God speaking to your life. Of course he does. I'd be terrible if the Lord didn't do that. In his book, Whisper, How to Hear the Voice of God, Mark Batterson, one of my favorite authors, writes this about this whole topic. There is no dialect that God speaks more frequently in Scripture. Whether it's dreams by night or dreams by day, God is the dream giver. It was Jacob's dream at a place called Bethel that changed the trajectory of his life. His son Joseph interpreted two dreams that saved two nations. The prophet Daniel interpreted a dream that saved the wise men of Babylon. The Messiah was saved by a dream that warned Joseph and Mary to flee Bethlehem. Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia that brought the gospel to Europe. And if you're a follower of Jesus and aren't Jewish, your spiritual lineage traces back to a double vision. Cornelius had a vision of Peter, and Peter had a vision of Cornelius. God may use a vision to speak to you about the new thing he wants to do. God may use a person or persons. In Acts chapter 10, verses 17 to 23, God provided three of Cornelius' servants to come to Peter to share the new thing. God provided for Peter, Cornelius himself, and all of his family and all of his friends to speak to Peter about the new thing God wanted to do. Victory is won through many advisors, Proverbs 24, 6. God will bring certain people into your life, divine appointments, men, women of God. He'll use preachers, teachers, friends. He'll even use non-believers to speak to you. Men on, and women on divine appointments, a child, God can speak to you through all sorts of individuals. And he's wanting to, and he's sending these people into your life. Will you perceive the spiritual reality of God speaking about what he wants to do through that certain individual he's sending your way? God, of course, uses his word. In chapter 10, verse 19, it says, you know, that, that the Spirit said to Peter, well, back then in the New Peter didn't have the New Testament. Today we have the New Testament. God still speaks to us directly through his Holy Spirit, but he speaks to us through the Word of God. As we read the Word of God, the Holy Spirit illuminates God's Word to give us direction. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Let me give you a principle here. A vision or person, if from God, will never contradict God's Word. God will use vision. He will use a dream. He will use an individual, but I promise you, that dream, that vision, if you receive it, or that person, if they give you direction, insight, they, that will never contradict the Word of God. It will always complement, and the Word of God will, will uh, speak into that which someone is saying to you. First way to recognize it when God's doing a new thing in your life, it begins by contemplating spiritual reality. So I want to ask you a question. Are you a person who is contemplating spiritual realities? 
You know, it, it, it starts here, Peter went up on the roof to pray in verse 9. It started with prayer. Are you praying? I mean, are you asking God about the new thing he wants to do in your life and through your life? Are you reading the word of God? Are, are you willing to go to that conference to hear that speaker, to go to that seminar, to go to that retreat? Are you praying? Are you fasting? Are you seeking God? These are the kind of people that become heroes of the faith because these are the kind of people who discover the new thing God wants to do in their life. God is always speaking to you about the new thing. But are you contemplating the spiritual realities, the, the ways, the means in which God wants to communicate to you about the new thing he wants to do? If you just sit there, it's not going to come. The Bible says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you search for me with all of your heart, that's what the Bible says. We've got to pursue spiritual realities. Powerful. Second way to recognize the new thing God wants to do in your life. Heroic recognition of God doing new, in a new thing in your life includes a willingness to go and explore. <laughs> you see, when God wants to do something new in your life or through your life, he'll be inviting you to go and explore. Our God uses our willingness to go and explore, to give definition and clarity to the new thing he wants to do in our lives. Notice you know, how Peter demonstrated a willingness to go and explore, and God used all of that to reveal to Peter the new thing that God wanted to do in his life and through his life, and actually in, his, in the Jews' life and through the Jews. We already read it. Peter made that day-and-a-half journey from Joppa to Caesarea, a day-and-a-half walk, and as he's walking, he's with, you know, others, and he's with those three Gentiles, and undoubtedly they're talking about where they're going. And God used that journey to speak to Peter and prepare Peter for what he was going to encounter with all those Gentiles. And in chapter 10, verse 28, Peter said, God has shown me. God wants to show you, and he will show you as you make the journey, as you go and explore. In verse 34, it says, I now realize how true it is. All of that realization came about because Peter, can you imagine if Peter said, no, I'm not going to go to some Gentile's house. I'm going to stay here in Joppa where I'm with all my peeps, you know? And we live in such a, you know, we, 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 we hunker down and say, I'm never going to venture out. Remember the thing, I've, if there's anything you ever learned from my life, don't live a safe life. Take chances. And people come to me all the time, Mark, I pray for you all the time. Yes, pray for me. You know, yeah, pray for my protection. Yes, I go to places. This is God's call in my life. What's God's call in your life? Where's he calling you to go? Go! <laughs> the most exciting Christians I know are Christians who go. They go into territory where they're, they're it's, it's scary a little bit. If you're not doing something scary for God, that's not living a life of faith. Live a life of faith. Go where God wants you to go. Do what he wants you to do. It's exciting. It's thrilling. You'll see that God is real in a life, and he'll show you the new things he wants to do in your life and through your life. Now, what might that look like for us today? Maybe it means going and exploring our high school ministry. Just sitting in there, and would God want you to serve on staff in our high school ministry? Or can you imagine going and sitting in a junior high ministry? Go and explore life transformation seminars. 
I mean, we have an adult discipleship seminars that I teach, 20 hours of discipleship. Have you done that? Have you gone through that? Thousands of lives have been changed through that. What about you? Go and explore it. What about cross streets? Why not just give one Saturday up for a few hours and go out on the streets and just see what it's like? What's God going to do in your life as you just go into that new thing? What about getting and exploring an online Bible degree? Why not? Why not go deeper in God's Word? Go and explore an appointment with one of our budget coaches. Get out of debt. Why not make it a goal to get out of debt and say, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to go meet one of these amazing, you know, uh, trained budget coaches at our church that are financial geniuses, and you can get their counsel on your life financially. Your whole life can be changed. What about going and exploring what it really would be like to tithe a full 10%, a full 10%? Why not give it a shot for six months? Is your way working? I've yet to meet anyone who ties who doesn't believe it's the smartest thing they can do with their money. Why not explore something? Really go for it. What about exploring truly praying and fasting? I've been going for it. Why not? What about going and exploring, getting trained and actually leading a home community at your house? What would that be like? What about really going and exploring and reading my favorite book, Knowledge of the Holy, outside of the Bible, my favorite book, A.W. Tozer. What about getting that book and actually reading it, seeing what it would do? What about going and exploring that conference? What about truly going and exploring that retreat? What about going and exploring, like dozens of you, go with me to Israel, go with me to Egypt, go with me to Petra in 2022. Start saving your money, actually go, actually do something. And, and this is what God does to open up all sorts of new doors for you to show you what he's saying to your life. Get involved in prison ministry. I'm looking around here. So many of you are involved in so many different areas of ministry. You know, um, 18 years ago in my life, uh, I, there's many doors I, I go through. I'm a big believer in going. I'm not a sitter. I'm a doer. Uh, I, I'm not into just theory. I, 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 I just believe in going. I, I, I just do. But I was reluctant like 18 years ago, one of my best friends, a guy named Rick Muchow. And Rick was the worship leader for Saddleback Church under Rick Warren. And Rick was telling me, Rick Muchow, he's like, Mark, you need to come to Saddleback. This guy, Rick Warren, is just incredible, the things he's doing. And finally, reluctantly, I go, okay, Rick, you're pestering me enough. I'm going to come there. I want to see you, Tracy and I. We're going to take you and Laura out to lunch. And we're just going to hang out. And I came to Saddleback for the first time, you know, 18, 19 years ago. And it's like going to Disneyland to begin with. The campus is massive, and it blew me away. But more than the size, the people. And I, I, it was the first time ever I walked to a church, and they had greeters. They had people that greeted us. I was greeted three times before I got to that sanctuary by people who really loved, and I could tell were gifted in greeting. And I remember with Tracy... Uh, I got into the sanctuary and I, I literally was I, was, I was weeping because I was comparing our church with what I experienced there and we had no hospitality. 18 years ago, our church had ushers that served inside the doors of the sanctuary and I came back from that conference so radically moved 
by a church that loves the people that come to it. I said, Lair, we got to change our church. He's like, what do you mean? And I explained to him what I experienced. And that, that church, Saddleback, has brought a movement of hospitality all over the United States. All over the United States. It changed our church. God did something new in our church because I went. I'm not saying it's all that, because eventually it would have come. But I'm just saying, you go where God is speaking to you about going, and, and brand new things happen in your life, and it's, it's so exciting. How do you recognize the new things God wants to do in your life? It begins by contemplating spiritual realities, praying, seeking God. What are you saying to me, Lord, about what's next? It includes a willingness to go and explore. And number three, heroic recognition of God doing a new thing involves stating the new thing that God is doing when he reveals it to you. In other words, God is not a God of confusion. God will speak to you about what he wants to do that's new in your life. And when he does, you want to you clarify it. You want to literally make it so clear that you articulate it. You want to be able to put it in writing. Like Peter, in verse 34, then Peter began to speak, I now realize, this, this is him putting into writing the new thing, that God does not show favoritism, but he accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. I now realize, Peter, this is brand new, that the gospel is for everyone. God loves everyone. Yes, I am called to be an apostle of the Jews, but I'm also, like Paul, to be an apostle of the Gentiles because everyone needs God's love. And I give you the principle here. God uses you stating the new things God is doing, and he's going to use that to clarify the new thing to you, but also to inspire others with the same. You see, God wants to use your realization not just to bless you, but as you state it, that statement will bless others. It will inspire others. Because God's doing something awesome in your life. It's a new thing. And then you go public with that. And guess what? Everyone sees that new thing in you and it blows them away. It fires them up. And notice what Peter does with the new thing that God's revealed to him. In chapter 11, verses 1 to 5, the apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. You see, watch this. That's which took place in, in, uh, right, right here in Caesarea. It went viral. It went all the way to Jerusalem. Peter's hanging out with Gentiles. Gentiles are turning to the faith. What is going on? So when Peter went to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers, these are the Jews, they criticized him and said, hey, you went to the house of an uncircumcised man and you ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. He says, I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance and a vision. And I saw something like a large sheet, you know, fall down from heaven, so on and so forth. And then you go down to the bottom of the verse uh, 15, and Peter tells the whole story. Cornelius, he went there, and then verse 15, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning there at Pentecost. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with, with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit and, and fire. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in uh, the Lord, Jesus, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? And then look at verse 18. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, wow, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. This was a new thing. 
Do you see that? Others praise God. Their objections stopped when they saw in Peter the new thing that God was doing. Can I ask you a question? What new thing does God want to do in your life so that your husband or wife will stop, uh, stop objecting and they will actually praise God because you're doing the new thing God wants you to do? What new thing does God want to do in your life so that your kids will see the new thing that you're doing and not believe God's some ancient God, but that he's alive today, he's doing a new work in your life, and it will just astound them, and they will actually praise God. What new thing does your church need to hear that you're doing? Do I need to see as a pastor that you are doing? Do you need to go public with so I can say, yes, the Holy Spirit is alive in this church, and he's sending out his people to be witnesses all over the world? That's what I'm praying for. And that is happening here. But it needs to be happening in all of our lives. We can't be missing the dream that God has for us to be his witnesses. Amen? Amen. Let us humble ourselves before God. Let us take in his spiritual realities. Let us fast and pray and seek him and turn from our wicked ways and say, God, use me as your servant. Help me to go out. Help me to live out the vision you want me to live out. Help me to be your witness, Lord Jesus, so that others will stop objecting and they will praise the living God. Let me go public with what you're saying to me. What does your office at work need to hear you say the new thing that God is calling you to do? What does your family that doesn't know Jesus need to see you doing, see that God's doing in your life so they see something new, not the same old? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's calling us into new things. What are the new things for your life? What are the new things for my life? Beloved, this is not meant to be some message that condemns, but it inspires. I believe the God is, is just wanting to birth something new in all of our lives. Amen? Yes, it's a little scary. Every time I go on a trip, it's a little scary. But it's worth it. Because God's calling me to go. What is he calling you to do? What does that look like? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praise God. I didn't come to know Jesus until I was 20 years old. And I remember going to the high school ministry called Omega as a high schooler, and I had a chip on my shoulder. I was very judgmental of other Christians and did not want to become a Christian. I was forced to come to church by my parents. And I didn't like it because I saw a bunch of hypocrites. Because the Christians that were in that room all partied with me. I knew them. I saw them at all the parties. There was not one Christian I respected. I respected the youth pastor, Ron's story, but there was not one Christian in that entire room that I respected because I didn't see them living out their faith. And I was unwilling to call myself a Christian because I knew I didn't want to live out and be a hypocrite. And then there was one summer, my junior year, that I'll never forget. I was sitting there, the youth group back then was in the port over there, I sat in the back row, and it was kind of at the beginning of summer, about this time of year. 
and a high school kid gets up. I didn't really know this guy, but he gets up, and Ron introduced him to the youth group, and his name is Jeff Battersby. I've never forgotten his name. And Jeff said to the whole group, he said, you know, I, I can use some prayer because I'm going to give up my summer and I'm going to go serve as a missionary in Africa. And I remember hearing that as a cynical high school kid, and I went, that is true Christianity. And my objections of Christianity stopped, and in my own way, I praised God, finally, for someone who is really living out the faith. And I praise God in my own way. I didn't surrender my life to Jesus, but I praise God. I remember uh, a few years after that, when I was, I think, 19, my dad came home, and of course, I was living on the ranch at that time, and, and my parents have always worked with kids, foster kids. There have been like over a thousand that have come through our home when I lived there, foster kids. And then my dad, uh, one day, sitting us down as a family, saying that he was going to quit his job and serve God full-time in ministry. God was doing something new. And I remember feeling scared because my, my parents made a lot of money. My dad made a lot of money. And I was very secure. And I remember just going, whoa. It rocked my world because I was like, that is a new thing God is doing. Our kids desperately need to see us doing new things. Desperately, they need to see that. I am saying this with so much love. I, I, I deeply uh, care for this young generation of young men and women that are, are, are being raised in a culture that is so cynical and so worldly and so secular. The light that your kids, that kids need are Christians like you and me doing new things for God, showing them that God is alive and that we are his followers and we're following today. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. What is that looking like for you? What is that looking like for me? We're in this together. I'm with you. Pray for me. I pray for you. Boy, I'm really preaching this morning, aren't I? I gotta listen to myself here a little bit. You know, I hope, you know, I always go to Tracy, I go, Trace, I go, I pray that I am always coming across loving. I hope I'm praying. I pray for that all the time. Lord, help me to be loving in everything I say. And I pray, is my coming across loving? I hope you know. One of you says yes. Okay, that doesn't <laughs> encourage me. So here's my encouragement to you. Can I give you this little challenge? Sit before the Lord. Contemplate the spiritual things. What is he saying to you? What is he, go and explore what he may be saying. And then put it into writing. And then watch this. Go public with the new thing. If you can go through an entire year and there isn't a new thing God is doing in your life, are you kidding me? What is going on? That's just not, are you kidding me? It's not Christianity. I don't even, that's not even religion. Lord, save us. You know, renew us. Speak to us. Lead us. The new thing's going to be different for me. It's not the same as me. God is going to be speaking about the new things he wants to do in your life. 
as a mom or a dad. We're all in different, you know, realms. But let the new thing emerge in your own life. Amen? Amen. Let's talk about this at your tables. Of the three ways to recognize it when God is doing something new, which one of these three things kind of most speaks to you and why? These three principles this morning that we've looked at. Would you talk about that? You know, where is God most speaking to you in all of this? Take a moment, talk about it. Okay, let me uh, bring you back to our hero of the faith trait and then pray for you. One of the most heroic things you can do is to recognize it when God is doing something new. Do you guys have on your outlines Isaiah 43, 18 and 19? Is it there? Do you guys have it printed out or not? Then let's read it together. Can we just read that scripture out together? It starts with, forget the former things. Do you guys see it? Page 57. Let's read that scripture out loud together. It's just good to read God's word out loud together. This is speaking on that theme of something new God wants to do. Let's read it. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You feel like you're in a wilderness. You feel like you're in a wasteland. God wants to lead you out of that. He wants to lead you into something new. We've talked about three principles that are biblical. Heroic recognition of God doing a new thing begins by contemplating spiritual realities. God may use a dream or a vision. He may use a person or persons. He always uses his word, and it begins by prayer, like with Peter. Heroic recognition of God doing a new thing includes a willingness to go and explore. Once the Holy Spirit kind of shares with you the direction, go and explore that. Go to that conference. Go to that retreat. Go to that person. Go on that missions trip. Whatever. Go to Israel. And three, heroic recognition of God doing a new thing involves stating the new thing God is doing when it's revealed. Go public with that so objections can be ceased and praise in others will erupt because God is doing a new thing in your life. Amen? Lord Jesus, thank you for this beautiful passage. What a moment for Peter. I just stand in awe of that, which kind of Peter came to that realization, but God has shown me. Lord, what do you want to show us? And then Peter saying, I now realize how true it is. What is it you want us to realize, Lord? Thank you for being a, a God who always does a new thing. I pray, Lord, that we could contemplate these things that you're saying to us by approaching and appropriating these spiritual realities. I pray, Lord, that you'd move us to have a willingness to go and explore. And I pray, God, that when you reveal that to us, we can go public with that new thing for our own clarification that you're alive and doing new things, but also for others, so others could praise your name. Bless your people, Lord. Encourage your people, all of us. We're in this together. Lord, we want to embrace the new and walk with you into that. And all God's people said, amen. amen.